This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our newest episode of our podcast, HR in Review. I'm Monica Sharma, the editor of HR Review. And if you haven't tuned in before, in this short segment, we'll be looking back at some recent standout stories and we'll be discussing the most relevant topics linked to HR. Each week will be based around a different theme and this week's is employer attitudes towards working parents, both in terms of what's working, but also what isn't. Here today, I'm joined by my guest, Jennifer Liston-Smith. Jennifer is Head of Thought Leadership at Bright Horizons UK, a global provider of work and family solutions to employers and employees. Jennifer focuses on identifying overarching trends through research and translating these insights into solutions and practical actions. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us once again on the show today. It's lovely to have you here. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Monica. It's a real pleasure to be back here again. Thanks for having me. No worries. It's great to have you. So I just wanted to begin the show by discussing what many employers seem to be doing right when it comes to working parents. And nothing demonstrates that better than a recent um, piece of research that was published by Bright Horizons, which found that an increasing number of employers are now adding to the range of benefits they offer, including enhanced maternity and paternity leave. The research found that close to four in five employers now enhance maternity leave pay beyond the statutory minimum. A similar rise has also been reported among the number of employers offering enhanced paternity or partner leave pay, which has also risen by a fifth over recent years, up to 67% in 2021. So Jennifer, my first question to you is, what are some of the key factors which are prompting employers to enhance benefit packages and to make them more appealing for working parents? And do you think that this is an effective strategy? Thanks, Monica. So when we asked about the key drivers for enhanced policies around parental leave, so maternity adoption, surrogacy, paternity and partner leave, shared parental leave, the top three drivers for all of those enhancements were staying competitive in the battle to attract and retain talent, 66% Mm -hmm. of the audience, being inclusive of and supporting working fathers, chosen by 58%, and retaining and supporting the younger generation workforce as they reach the parenting life stage. 56% prioritise that. And all of those quite specific examples scored higher than, for example, supporting well-being and inclusion in the post-pandemic world. So it's quite specific and seems to reflect a genuine understanding that among about the 80% or so of workers who will become parents, it really is seen more and more by employers as a key moment that matters in their employee experience. And it's seen as a matter of talent rather than only the right thing to do. But Mm -hmm. to your question, is it an effective strategy? I'd say in some sectors, it's almost like a hygiene factor. You notice if it's missing. Um, As your competitors in certain sectors will be offering something similar or better in terms of policies, you know, because we were finding it's it's a quite a detailed research study, the parental leave benchmark. Mm-hmm. And in some sectors, such as, you know, financial services, legal sector, tech and so on, that it, having a 26 weeks full pay policy is relatively commonplace now. Mm-hmm. So so I would say across the board, it's, it's sometimes necessary to have such a policy to, to keep up. Mm-hmm. And while it's it's a good support for well-being and for family life, the research also showed this year that many more employers are now putting in place programs of coaching advice and networks around mm-hmm. the transition. So for a really effective strategy, it's about paid leave 
And it's also about supporting that transition and encouraging the individual and the manager to really plan well from, you know, before leave, during leave to a well-managed return. Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. I think it's interesting there that you you mentioned kind of the war for talent because the number of employers coming forward um, right now to say, you know, we have so many vacancies, but not enough people or maybe not the right people with the correct skill set to fill them. So I think you're certainly right there that firms are constantly looking for new ways to attract and retain the best talent. And as you said, there's obviously some sectors where that's more applicable and kind of sort of commonplace. Completely. And we found with the programs that that we provide to employers, they're seeing around a 12 to 14 percentage point increase Mm -hmm. in their, say, maternity return rates. So if you think about the cost savings there set in that context that you outline of of the real drive to retain talent now rather than having to rehire mm. it absolutely makes sense and and you can you can do that with specialist external coaches some employers also do that through internal mentoring and buddy programs so depending on what the budget is there mm. are different ways to make sure that that individual going through the parent transition mm-hmm. is supported and and really enabled to carry on with their career following leave as well mm. I think another interesting point that was raised by the research was that shared parental leave pay has also become a more popular offering from employers. Um, And this climbed from just 25% in 2017 to now 48% in 2021. So a rise of almost double there. Um, This is a really interesting kind of conversation, Jennifer, because shared parental leave has, has been sort of a point of contention for many, with a report earlier this year calling it deeply flawed and chronically failing. There have also been concerns about sort of the uptake surrounding that. I would love to hear your views on shared parental leave and ways employers could either incentivize taking it or, if applicable, what this policy should be replaced by. Mm, that's a good question. So as you say, our research found that that employers are much more likely generally now than they were to enhance mm-hmm. shared parental leave. But also, as you say, that the take up has hovered around about 3%. It hasn't been high. Mm-hmm. Some employers have taken their own initiative and moved to providing gender inclusive leave, whatever the person's gender or role in parenting, you know, a very well enhanced package Mm -hmm. there isn't the same statutory pay to support that so it really is an investment but it sends out an exceptionally positive message Mm -hmm. but in terms of of how to encourage shared parental leave itself we did carry out some other research a few years ago into the barriers and what could be done to overcome them we Mm -hmm. interviewed current and prospective parents and found that what would make a difference would be a simpler policy as we know it's often about 20 pages or more because the (laughs) rules are complicated Mm -hmm. a friendly face in HR to explain it which goes a long way toward mitigating those complicated policies Mm -hmm. enhanced pay of course but also role models you know, feeling that you're not doing something counterculture by taking shared parental leave. Mm-hmm. And of course, the maternity taker, maternity leave taker or adoption leave taker has to be willing to share the leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, shared, shared parenting is really good for families and, mm-hmm. of course, for the gender pay gap and equality more broadly. So we do know that among employers that are doing all those things I just mentioned, take up has risen, it's 8% plus. Um, so, as you know, there are ways to make it, it better taken up. As to whether it's still a good tool to achieve shared parenting, well, 
I know that the Government Department for Bay's Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy consultation on family leave in 2019 did unearth an appetite for more ring-fenced leave per partner in the Scandinavian Mm -hmm. model, as Denmark, for example, is currently considering, which would be great. But with other pressures here on legislation, it hasn't yet been possible to carry out more of an overhaul in the UK. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, Bayes has produced a tool which I think is really, really helpful to help couples calculate how SPL shared parental leave would work for them, Mm -hmm. um, which you can find on the gov.uk website. So it's gov.uk. And then if you type into the search bar, plan shared parental leave, you'll find a tool which really helps people to calculate it. So, you know, it, it is what it is at the moment. It's a slightly complicated leave provision. But if the employer really engages people in it and provides good engagement, good explanation of policy, enhances pay and features people who've taken it, you know, makes role models of them, we've seen that you really can enhance the take up. And, and you know, that's that's good for equality all around. Mm-hmm. So it's just about making it a bit more accessible in terms of explaining it, um, sort of whittling it down to the bare bones, and then obviously sort of supplementing that with enhanced pay. Totally, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So just quickly jumping back to the Bright Horizons research, what more can be done to improve the benefits provisions offered by companies for working parents? Yeah. So as mentioned, it's about much more than paid leave. And mm-hmm. of course that matters, but it's it's often about helping the individual and the manager to have really effective communication and conversations, particularly challenging the assumptions that can happen around working parents being presumed to be less ambitious. Mm-hmm. You know, so we need to avoid accidental or deliberate career sidelining. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we've seen a real rise in, in coaching and mentoring or internal buddy programs as well as specialist coaches such as our own coaching programs we've seen in the research we saw a 333% excuse me increase versus 2 years ago in the provision of group coaching around the parent transition and we've also seen here's another interesting trend 200% rise in the provision of online and app based support so it's it's about clever ways of sharing strategies for that individual and their manager to stay connected, to to be in communication and to help that individual stay influential, Mm -hmm. even when they might be working in perhaps more flexible ways, perhaps less visible on their return. So so that's a huge rise. Um, And also care solutions, of course. So our research showed a 100% rise in on-site care provision over the last two years since the Mm -hmm. last time we conducted the benchmark. And, you know, one of the things we learned during the pandemic is that care is a part of the business infrastructure. You know, it was extremely visible in every sense. And we could see that it was very hard to produce our work deliverables without that care and education in place. Mm. So a lot of the employers that Bright Horizons worked with have really lent in on that area, you know, in terms of providing backup care solutions to employees, which many employees have provided for a long time. Mm-hmm. Many increase the availability of that. And they also made it more flexible, you know, increasing the booking window, for example, so somebody can use backup care to book school holiday clubs, which is Mm -hmm. much more forward looking, it's much more Mm -hmm. flexible provision. So employers have really come a lot closer into family life in many cases. And we've also seen them providing better access to advice on finding care. You know, we've got working parents alongside everybody else coming back into the hybrid working world now. Mm -hmm. 
looking at maybe, you know, different care solutions across two different work locations, their office mm-hmm. and their home. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of employers that are really getting hold of this have said, you know, let's meet people where they are and, and provide that practical advice and support. Mm. I think and that's what I was about to mention that it's really interesting to hear you talk about visibility and the importance of that because that's definitely been something that's um, on managers radar at the moment with the hybrid working sort of setup and ensuring that people that work from home or in more flexible ways are still treated as fairly as the people that come into the office. Absolutely and you know I think one of the things we've seen is because that that for many people during lockdown that period of leave has been quite isolated and you know as you say it's a big step back we're all coming to terms of going (laughs) back into office spaces and you know finding it actually quite exciting in most cases to be back in amongst people Mm. but you know many people are also a little bit nervous well if we imagine how much more so that is when we've been out Mm. of the workplace for several months it can be Mm. quite a shift from being the person pushing a baby buggy back into one's (laughs) professional self and um you know many parents have not been able to to introduce their baby to other circles of friends you know sort of get togethers relatives because of the the recent conditions Mm -hmm. and so a staggered return a phased return is one of the key things I would say um, when we're looking at how best to reintegrate working parents after they've been on leave you can achieve a staggered return by um, using up accrued holiday or keeping in touch days to enable you know perhaps four or five weeks of coming in a couple of days a week Mm -hmm. so I'd say that's quite a useful strategy Um, and also lining up easy wins you know there can be a knock to confidence Mm -hmm. there can be an uncertainty so if you can catch that person doing well in the early months and celebrate their successes without being patronizing that Mm -hmm. can be really really helpful. So those are some great ways to reintegrate, you know, working parents back into the office. And as you said, that's even more of a transition now because of the hybrid working and then also being just away generally, you know, becoming a new parent. So um, that's great to hear. So now we've discussed sort of what employers are doing right when it comes to working parents. I wanted to move on to quite the opposite, which was an an employment tribunal case which made headlines recently after an employer refused to accommodate childcare needs. So um, one employer was actually found guilty of displaying discrimination on the basis of sex and made to pay a staff member £185,000 in damages. So Jennifer, for anyone who's unaware of this significant case, would you like to go through the main details? If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Alice Thompson. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know Alice a little as she guested on our, in fact, our HR review inside Mm -hmm. HR webinar on the Mm -hmm. 14th of October. So I chatted with her a a little during the planning for that too. Mm -hmm. And um, so she joined London-based estate agent Foxton's in Mm -hmm. 2007 after graduating from uni, Mm -hmm. spent nine years there, then moved on to an independently owned estate agency in central London. She was residential sales manager. So she'd built and run a successful sales business for her employer she went on maternity leave 2018 Mm -hmm. and then on her return she felt forced to resign by December 2019 after her request for to work flexibly including a 5 p.m finish for childcare pickup 
was denied. Mm -hmm. She took her employer to the employment tribunal. And as you say, she won her claim for indirect sex discrimination, was awarded nearly 185,000 in compensation. Mm -hmm. And her tribunal win was reported very, very widely globally, actually, some of the Mm -hmm. media coverage, huge response um, and really highlighted issues around flexible working as well as issues around returning parents in the Mm. UK. Yeah, that that was actually sort of what I wanted to discuss next, which is fundamentally, what did this company fail to do correctly in this case? And what are the main lessons that employers should learn from this? I think there are some real lessons that we can take on in in a very practical way from this, because one of the most striking aspects of the case, which mm-hmm. made it a, a you know a real opportunity for for employers to sit up and take note, was that Alice's request for flexible working was turned down without any consideration, mm-hmm. even though she was making sensible suggestions, you know, such as using her accrued holiday to create a form of flexibility. She mm-hmm. was also really aware that you know, often reduced pay and commission come hand in hand with working fewer hours. So she Mm -hmm. wasn't presuming um, that she would just be able to dictate her hours. She put some very, very well thought through options to her employer and several Mm -hmm. different versions and they were just ignored. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. that's a big lesson about taking flexible working requests seriously and having Mm -hmm. open conversations Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) since of course 2019 when when all of this took place for for Alice Thompson the Mm -hmm. way we work has been blown open so it might Mm -hmm. be easier now to to talk about it but you know if employers are wary about how to handle requests for flexibility then you know how about looking at getting the individual and the manager to think about exactly how the work will be delivered you know what are the contingencies for days or hours that won't be covered who Mm -hmm. else can pick it up how about a trial can you trial it for three months and see how it goes with some specific deliverables Um, most people most individuals are pretty resourceful as we've seen Mm -hmm. pandemic and post-pandemic in figuring out you know how to deliver your work deliverables if the role is clear most people are pretty resourceful in in how to to do that and actually it's quite timely right now because as we know the government is consulting right now there's a consultation open up until the 1st of December mm. about a day one right to request flexible mm. working so mm. we're all going to have to get pretty good <laughs> at uh, having these conversations right exactly that's what i was um going to mention because you sort of have to have a reasonable um you have to reasonably look over the request. And if that becomes a day one right, then I I assume employers will have to be doing that on a much larger scale going forward. Um, So those are definitely key considerations there. Um, And then just finally, to sort of broaden the focus slightly as we move on to our last question, in the coming months, what are the best ways for employers to support working parents? And this can be both, you know, long term and short term strategies. Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. So I think, you know, hybrid working gives us all a great opportunity, as as we're all talking about, to rethink (laughs) how we measure performance, amongst other things, for all employees, you know, not only parents, as as we were saying before, focusing on outputs rather than time and place so Mm -hmm. much, you know, and there is a concern, quite a widespread concern about how 
people will remain visible if we're working in more hybrid ways. We're not automatically day to day in front of the people that matter for, for career progression. Although mm -hmm. arguably, if they're working, you know, in a hybrid way, we couldn't <laughs> be sitting right in front of them all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there may be certain groups, including working parents, since that's our, our topic, who choose to spend more time remotely, given the choice. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the interesting things I was hearing about recently, one of our law firm clients is carrying out a project reviewing work allocation, which is, you know, huge in law firms. You know, mm -hmm. that's how you progress your career by getting on to working on the right matters. Mm -hmm. And and they're particularly ensuring that it doesn't all go to the people who are top of mind. You know, it's not mm -hmm. out of sight, out of mind if people mm -hmm. are not sitting in front of, of the partner who's allocating the work. So I think giving accountability and choice is good but also making sure that, that we centrally weigh up the implications for different groups that are maybe less visible, less represented, mm -hmm. and that we do that across the board with, with all sorts of groups that have been marginalised or underrepresented mm -hmm. in the past. So that's one thing I think we should be doing for, for working parents and everybody. Mm -hmm. I'd say another thing that's really innovative and interesting that we found ourselves supporting many employers with recently is virtual tutoring for young people. We've seen mm. a lot of employers really wanting to, to go the extra mile and, and take account of the fact that a lot of parents are concerned about educational catch-up right now. Mm. You know, there are still isolations with high rates of COVID circulating in schools. And if, as, as an employer, you really want to get beyond uh, the, the, uh, an approach that's about sort of accommodating parents or supporting parents, to really understanding, look, these are a key part of our talent population. You know, it's about removing the barriers and, and serving their needs and taking away the hassles. Then doing something like providing access to tutoring shows a deep understanding of what parents have been through and something mm -hmm. that can really, really help. Um, the third thing I would say is events. Um, mm -hmm. We provide a lot of networking events, you know, parents' networks, family networks and, and wider networks, whether they're on site or online. Mm -hmm. It's a really good way to bring identity groups together. And I would say working parents and working families are, are one of those groups mm -hmm. and enabling people to share tips and experience or, or interact with an expert speaker. They generate that sense of belonging, you know, mm -hmm. because the culture acknowledges they're, that they're there and they, they have these conversations. And it can be anything from, as we were saying, how to stay visible as a busy working parent in the hybrid world. But it could be through to very specific parenting topics, such as choosing childcare, choosing schools, choosing universities. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those are, are three ways that I would have in mind for, for supporting working parents in the, the coming months. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us once again on the show and sharing your expertise on working parents and what companies should keep in mind if they want to attract and retain this group. It was so lovely to talk to you. And, and uh, again, as I mentioned before, Jennifer can be reached at Bright Horizons UK. Thank you so much, Monica. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening. It's been a real pleasure being with you. Thank you. Um, as always, to our audience, if you're interested in learning more about working parents, reward, benefits or any other topic linked to HR, please head over to our website, hrreview.co.uk. Thanks once again to Jennifer for joining us and our audience for listening. We hope to see you next time where we'll be continuing the discussion on the most relevant HR topics. See you then. Thanks. Bye bye. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. 
You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.